Good evening, everybody. It is Monday, August 5th, 2013, and it's time for 10 Dozen Minutes of the Jick and Mr. Skullhead Show with Jick and Mr. Skullhead featuring Jick and Mr. Skullhead. I'm Mr. Skullhead, and Jick is in an undisclosed location. I'm Jick featuring Mr. Skullhead. Ooh, I get to be featured? Yeah. You're top is it, billing. Is it better to, to be featured or to have the top billing? I feel like featured means you're such a big deal that you don't even need the top billing, you know, like featuring Kirk Cameron as Jean Valjean, like, oh, man. Of uh, course you would I, just wait, put that... I don't know. I, I don't think of it as just being, like, somebody whose name you might have heard of on a hip-hop album. Like, riding on the coattails of Jay-Z. Ah, uh, so, so, like, uh, Notorious B.I.G. featuring Kirk Cameron. Yes. Otherwise known as MC Jean Valjean. When he did that, uh, when he did that rap song about how a banana is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. Yep. Well, a banana is designed specifically to fit in our hand. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that's the kind of thing that I would have watched when I was a kid, and it would have made perfect sense to me. And uh, But running into it as an adult, like, wow, that's insane. Like, that's very clearly, it has gigantic holes in it, but... And why I mean, does that banana that, have gigantic holes in it? Yeah, that's, is it, a, it must be a Swiss banana. I didn't even know they grew those. You know, I think that the process of gaining critical thinking skills kind of sneaks up on you, and it, and it sort of, in in some ways, I feel like if you could, if you could briefly re-experience what things were like when you were younger, you probably wouldn't wish you were younger. No. Anymore. You always want to be younger, but knowing what you know now. Yeah, I mean, like I would maybe travel back to a couple of the nights that I had fun hanging out with my friends. But then I would probably end up cringing at how lame I was. Yeah. I mean, I feel, like, like, I feel like if I listened to radio shows from seven, eight, nine years ago, I would probably cringe at what a racist I was. Right. And still am. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not lame now. I just, I think I've grown and matured and found different, more complex ways in which I can be lame. Mm-hmm. Same with me and my racism. <laughs> His racism has really got uh, some complex afternotes and some uh, I don't know what are other things they use to describe wine uh, like, pe- a pequant bouquet <laughs> it's a clumped bouquet of racism my, my racism now has a hint of mahogany and leather mm. I don't even know if mahogany is a thing that tastes or smells like anything well, yeah, I'm sure a, it does but it's a piece of wood I've never licked it yeah. There is some wood out there that I have yet to lick. I mean, I guess you know what mesquite tastes like, right? So uh, you, um, wait, were you making a blowjob joke? Yeah, ever so Sorry, I, I, that was really not, I, I didn't yes and that. It doesn't even, uh, it doesn't even phase you anymore to yeah. hear about the possibility that I was filleting someone. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it, I'm, I'm entirely okay with that kind of thing. What's, I mean, it's not, I watched a, uh, you know what? I don't actually want to talk about this because I don't want to spoil it for uh, spoil it for people who haven't uh, encountered this. But you guys should all go watch the new Mumford and Sons video for uh, Hopeless Wanderer. And the less you know about it going in, the better. See, I've heard all I've heard is that it involves some actors that I like. Yep. Uh, Mumford and Sons, I don't like. But okay, why don't you why don't you like Mumford and Sons? I, I read I read a Metafilter comment thread that I was expecting to be about homophobia, but it ended up being about uh, being an asshole about music. So <laughs> it eh, 
they had so the first song that they had out was kind of rollicking good fun and had you know somebody strumming a mandolin constantly for the entire song and the guy kind of growling and it had a great chorus with i really fucked it up this time in it and that was fun and then every other song since has been the same like ceaseless strumming of stringed instruments like frenetically the entire time with the guy growling but growling about his deep feelings that are expressed in kind of the shallowest way possible Hmm. so it's just like I don't know like the music very quickly gets insufferable because it all sounds the same and then there's nothing like lyrically in it that makes me want to listen to it like I wouldn't say that I hated the band except for the fact that I have friends who like it and so I'm constantly around it it's like I I didn't like this to begin with but I mean my experience of it has been somebody played a couple songs for me at a party saying like I think you would really like this and I'm like oh yeah this sounds pretty good and that just put their names in my head and then we were at the mall and they played Little Lion Man over the PA and I was like alright I meant to buy that and so I just bought that album and Little Lion Man is a good song and everything else everything else was not bad but it just felt I mean I would say that it was like half songs that were like Little Lion Man but without a without a real hook no um and then half things that were just sort of slower and less my I think you know they, they when they stray away from that relentless string stuff they 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 kind of blunder into ballad territory and I'm not like averse to a well I do not I will I will defend to the death someone's right to record a ballad let's just say that but I won't necessarily listen to it the it's weird for me to be put off by a band that's too earnest and or sincere but it seems like every song is check out my heart it's on my sleeve all right fine Maybe I'm getting old and cynical. I mean, I, I, to me, that that sort of content aspect of it seemed like a throwback to the the same sort of I, I don't know era and kind of outsider sensibility and sincerity of music that they're they're musically a throwback to. Mm. You know, because I mean, like the lyrics of bluegrass music are just you know how all your friends died in the mine and whatever right i mean it's not it's not there's not i feel like the 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 sort of the the poetry of that is given to it by time rather than by composition yeah although the the, um have you seen the movie once i have not uh that is a it's an amazing little movie uh it's a a musical but all of the music is because the guy's in a band so it's oh, like okay. a, a musical in the way like the commitments is a musical, and it's a guy and who in was between, in in between all of those uh, scenes, a guy fucks an ugly girl. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, but it, it's really cool, and the the music is kind of the like real deal that Mumford and Sons is the more popular version of, I guess. And I hate to say shit like that, but you know, like there is a the version of something that the cool kids are into and then there's the version of it that's watered down enough that it's popular in just about everything but yeah I would recommend catching that for 
for some good down home Irish music. Yeah, I mean, I guess you have a different relationship with that kind of thing, having friends that are like, like what? Yeah, and what, it's like everyone I know can make this music, so sure. I'm not impressed that they have like four mandolins in the band. Right, but I mean, I I think that everyone, you know, you know all these people who could make that music, and they do sitting around the big table at the one like brew pub that lets them on the one night a week and nobody would ever pay to listen to it you know no, and people I, and I, they get I mean, they get paid to play it well, okay but not not your friends in particular but I'm saying the the kind of everyone the, the everyone from the sentence everyone can do this uh-huh. like it's you know I mean it's like sort of somebody would have a bad taste in their mouth about me getting paid to draw stick figures because everyone can do that, right? But it's it's maybe a little broader than that. Not in my case, but in theirs. Like they they understood a context in which they could take this skill and turn it into some work that would have broader appeal. I mean, and I and I and I understand the objection that it probably has broader appeal by having all the rough edges sort of sanded off of it. But yeah. but it is. Um, I don't know. It, it has it has the sort of like, for whatever reason, it doesn't trigger my hearing. This emotion convinces me that the emotion is insincere. Yeah. Thing because it that just is amazing. Like, you don't? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I could just be getting old and soft. <laughs> Maybe you know, we're uh, to dislike something, but I mean, I'm not gonna like. I am certainly older than the version of me who would believe that there was something wrong with a song being catchy. You know, and, and it's been a long time since you believe there's something wrong with a song being catchy. I, I remember that that argument well. Maybe I never did. I don't know. But <laughs> it I don't know. Like it's just it's sometimes I hear a song and I think my mom would like this song. And then I realize, you know, that means that this song is good. <laughs> it is, yeah, good and bad are are not very useful terms, I guess, when you're talking about music. Yeah, I mean, you know, I again, I will, I will defend that Hoobastank song on account of my mom likes Hoobastank. Right. I, like Mumford and Sons, maybe my strong reaction to it is that after Little Lion Man, everything else I heard was it seemed like it was aimed at like 40 40 year old plus you know kind of like earnest and frenetic and bland at the same time which is kind of weird so but like the so like the dire straits of yeah well rock. like file under like jack johnson say i don't know anything about jack johnson or, or than, john mayer his name is almost really great yeah god that guy is so close to genius but it's like music that is meant to soothe people in like through their midlife crisis is what i would think of okay you know like and it kind of freaked me out that so many of my friends got so into them so quickly Hmm. it's like god damn it guys we're not that old like you can still listen to like trampled by turtles is doing the same thing that mumford and sons is except they're not like music for grandpa like come on let's all crank up some Nicki minaj and go roller skating but yeah, nobody did. Nobody would go roller skating with me. Oh, that sucks. Do you think it was the music, or do you think it was that 
I don't know. They were afraid that they would fall down and break their legs. Uh, hips. Yeah. Mm, okay. Are we? We're uh, not doing skating this year, huh? Yeah, I think. That's gone. I mean, it was just. It was one of those things that like. I didn't really like having to charge people for it, mm-hmm. and most of the people who went didn't even skate. So it seems like we could just do. I think. I think what we decided we're going to do is just go to the monastery, which is that bar. I don't know that you've been there, but it's a bar over by my house where you. Uh, it's mostly outdoors, and you. They have food, but it's just like you you give them three dollars and they give you a raw hamburger and you go grill it on a big communal grill. And right. uh, and then you know all the there's all the fixins, and you know it's it's pretty good. It's a pretty good place. And we thought you know if if a bunch of people who are like a bunch of people would just show up, pay their twenty dollars, and then not skate, and like we could just go do that somewhere where they weren't charging us twenty dollars to let people skate. Yeah, I figured it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to rent out a skating rink so that you know like ten people can skate. Yeah, I mean I don't think it ever got down to. 10 people but 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 yeah i mean it just it like you know it was fun and i don't i don't regret it and it's not like uh oh, this was this was terrible and we should never do it again it was just like eh, let's just do something different you know and um yeah yeah we'll, we'll leave the we'll leave the skating rink to the to the kids this year sure the, the monastery has like lawn games right they have some bocce ball or something they have volleyball courts at least i don't know there, there were multiple instances of the monastery, and the the one the one remaining open one is the lamest one. Oh. Um, it's also the closest to the rest of the con stuff, you know. And it's actually for the people who rent clan houses and stuff out in East Mesa, it's not it's not super inconvenient. Um, I think that'll be fun. Yeah, no, I think I think it'll be fine too. Uh, the only reason that I never really got in the habit of going there, even though it was a bar that was close to my house, is because they close kind of early for for that kind of thing. I want to say, mm-hmm. although their website says that they're open till one, but I've never, I, I thought of it as a place that closed at like nine for the longest time. And I don't think that I just made that up. I think maybe they've just changed it. Or maybe there was that one night where the manager was just kind of tired. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's good. You can make a hot dog. That sounds like fun. And it's inexpensive. And they, they usually have like one or two reasonable beers on tap. Well, and then, yeah, you know, so. and then they also have a lot of Miller Lite and stuff, in case you want that. I uh, I drank a single Miller Lite on Sunday afternoon. Oh, yeah. It was the fourth, fourth beer? Yeah, fourth beer of the thing. So uh, a friend of mine is leaving town for a couple of years. He's going to Cambodia, where his wife is going to teach English. And to a he pile let of me, skulls. yeah, to a pile of skulls, yeah, or on atop a throne of skulls, perhaps. Ah, but they, uh, I have that that would almost tempt me to actually learn English. Yeah, as a second language to whatever it is that you're speaking now. <laughs> ESL English as a skull language. Ooh. Uh, yeah, but he so he let me in on the the secret activity that he enjoys every Sunday, which is, it's called a beer bust, and uh, takes place at a gay bar. And you you go to this here gay bar, you give the guy, the uh, shirtless, kilted bartender, ten bucks, and he gives you a mug. 
And uh, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, all of the video screens in this bar start showing uh, videos of show tunes. And it's all you can drink for the next four hours while show tunes are just blasted at this in this small space. And like five girls and a hundred gay guys and me and my buddy sing along to show tunes. And so, it, it was so pretty fantastic. five girls and a hundred and two gay guys. Hmm. You know, I don't mind if you call me gay because that's just another state of being, you know? It's fine. No, I know. It's, it's an inaccurate statement, but that's okay. Well, it's inaccurate uh, on a normal day, but on a day that you spend four hours listening to show tunes, hmm. I, think you're, I think you're close enough to the fulcrum that uh, you periodically swing over in the other direction. Yeah, I mean, it, the show tunes were really the gay part. It wasn't the guy who was blowing me in the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that guy was gay, but not you. Right. Um, well, I mean, you had me at Guy in a Kilt. Uh, yep. by, by which I mean you had me never doing that. It actually like, sounds kind of fun. That sounds kind of fun. It is the, like, the energy that's generated by a big group of people singing along to something is always fun. And it's not the karaoke where somebody has a mic and that person may suck. So, uh... Yeah, fun. I guess it, it would probably be more appealing to me if there were a bunch of people singing along to something that I knew. I was going to say, like, sub out, like, R.E.M. songs. For sure. Yeah. Just belting out Losing My Religion with or a like hundred the, sweaty like dudes. Or, like, The Smiths. Let's say The Smiths. That, hmm. would be, that would be a pretty solid afternoon. Although, instead of a gay bar, it would be at a cemetery. Uh, of course. And instead of beer, you would be drinking blood. No, absinthe. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, I had some absinthe on Friday, Saturday. We had a uh, we had a housewarming party for our, for our little apartment here, and it was good. It was a successful party. A good time was had by a lot of people in this very small space. Our, our apartment did, is acoustically so you, rough for a party. You know a lot of people. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, so. I mean, out there, I know that you know a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it, it was it was a very good turnout. So so hot stuff has a lot of. Um, a lot of old college friends who ended up here just because there, a lot of MIT people end up in the Bay Area because that's where the kind of jobs for MIT people are uh-huh. in in this part of the world. And you know there were there were a number of uh, a number of KOL kids here. Um, you know we saw we 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 saw saw, saw the, the the old standby Iluro Dragon and the uh, let's see uh, Gamma Ray was here and the world is square. And his lady friend, nice. And Gamma Ray's lady friend also, who's 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 uh, KOL name I either does not exist or I do not I did not know. Um, and then uh, you know uh, Emily the Strange, Jessica, and some of her friends were here. And Frontalot, uh, Frontalot is in town for a while because he I think he might be on the the, the Thursday show that we record uh, soon actually. Um, nice. But he was on his way back from Pax Prime. No, not Pax Prime. Pax Australia. And so stopped yeah. here uh, as a stepping stone where he's, I don't know, I think he's here for like a week or two, visiting visiting Ma Front, and uh, he played a show for some gross internet nerd party. He did some really secret show recently, it feels like. It was, uh, the thing that, that he did here was like, it was like a private, not exactly private, it was one of those like, it was the kind of party that happens at tech 
con- conventions and conferences where you get in by just going to a website and putting your name on the list. Right, and it's like that's where the exclusivity comes in. They're like, well, we're going to be an exclusive club, but we know that nerds aren't going to deal with the whatever it is that cool people do to get into exclusive clubs. So what you have to do is just go to a website and put your name on this list. You know, it was like the sort of the sort of industry parties that happen that anyone can go to as opposed to the ones where you have to like know somebody to get into it. That's kind of cool. I think is how it was. I mean, they are they are sometimes cool. I mean, they're like the they're like the sort of like industry industry ones that that you can occasionally tag along with somebody where they're sometimes cool and sometimes really lame. You know, it's just like is this kind of lame and Jack Black is here or is this just kind of lame? I'll never forget the one though that had the like ice sculptures and the open bar and uh the little swag bags with Star Wars stuff in them. Yeah, that was good. That was a great one, for instance. Like, there was plenty of space. It was outdoors because it was, like, on one of those big fancy party roofs of a hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that was definitely a good one. Um, but, yeah, it, so we, you know, just had a bunch of people. A lot of people brought booze because they, they know us and knew that that was an appropriate housewarming gift. So we've got a pretty well-stocked bar at this point. Yeah, we nice. were doing, we were doing not, not terrible before on that front but but yeah uh, uh, good old good old Jessica Emily the Strange brought us a uh, bottle of absinthe and and a bunch of root beer and so we were just drinking like one part absinthe one part root beer which was pretty good if you like absinthe I cannot I cannot disagree with whoever made up that cocktail it doesn't it seems to me like that would be overly licorice because root beer has that kind of like black licorice yeah. tang to it a little bit. It, it, it accentuates it rather than rather than concealing it. But I mean, I like that about absinthe, so that's that's kind of what I want it to be. Well, yeah, I'm a guy who likes black licorice and Jägermeister. It's strong, you know. It was it was I had to I had to pace myself, but it was good. It was great, you know. It was it was a lot of fun. We uh, eventually at twelve fifteen got got our floor knocked on by the downstairs neighbors. Probably not because they are jerks, but because they have children. Did you open the trap door in the floor and let them in? Yeah. We, um, I didn't feel super bad about it because, like, maybe we, in the one month that we have lived here, have had one party where we made noise, but there have been a lot of hungover days where their children were just screaming at the top of their lungs in the backyard at, like, 7.30 in the morning. So, you know, everybody gets theirs. <laughs> um. Oh, you. But, oh, you. Know, you. Yeah, we quieted down, and it was fine. And, you know, it, it shut down fairly early because a lot of people had to leave because the train stopped running at midnight or one. Yeah. So that was an interesting element of having a party in the city that I hadn't thought about much prior to this. But it was great. It was it was, uh, it was our first party. That was lovely. Didn't drink yeah. too much. Didn't have a hangover. That's a, It's funny how that is the new measure of success for parties as mm-hmm. we get older. Yeah. It's not, dude, I got so blasted. I feel like shit today. It's like, nope. I, I did this party right. I feel great today. Yeah. Uh, I, heard a, I, heard a, I heard a bicycle story about you. Do you want to tell a bicycle story about yourself? Yeah, that was weird. Uh, well, Saturday night, I pretty much gift-wrapped my bicycle and gave it to random thieves in that uh, the bikes are out in the garage, which is a good, 
I don't know, how big is my backyard? Like 20, 30 feet from the house. Yeah. And I had been cutting wood for the campfire on the table saw because that's way easier than using some some caveman saw. And uh, left the light on in there and the garage door open. And the bikes just kind of unlocked in there. So, yeah, the next morning somebody had stolen my bike, which was... Uh, like a slightly nice bike, a vintage bike, like a bike that's nicer than the ones at like Target, say. Right. But not like a not like a fifteen hundred dollar racing bike, but definitely one that I wasn't going to be able to replace. And then my wife's bike too, which was a little kind of a burner that we got on Craigslist. But so my bike was the tragedy, and it had uh, the trailer hitch to hook up a little like ride behind trailer and a hitch to hook up a little ride behind bicycle for kids. Huh. So it left my trailer and my little ride behind bicycle useless. But uh yeah, today on the way back from the grocery store, we just drove past somebody who was riding the bike. <laughs> like, holy shit, that's my bike. And like my wife yelled out the window, like, hey, that's our bike, and we've reported it stolen. And thankfully it was somebody who had bought it from somebody else and wasn't the person who stole it because she stopped instead of just kind of taking off down the back way and uh she said she had bought it from somebody on the street for 20 bucks so i gave her 20 bucks plus a 10 dollar finder's fee so that i like i, I kind of felt bad depriving her of it to be honest because she was on her way to work and she gave me her business card and whatever but did you at least give her a ride to work I offered and she said no she was she was gonna walk it but I'll just I'll just steal somebody else's bike between here and there <laughs> I mean buy another bike from yeah. the old mm-hmm. man <laughs> but you know I was pleased I was gonna offer a $50 reward for it so paying a little bit to have it back but that was just the the most random thing to go yeah I'm gonna drive around and just look and see if I see somebody riding it which will never ever happen in a thousand years but yeah, yeah. it did I've had two bikes stolen in my life. One was in high school when, you know, I mean, where I lived that was next door to you, where all somebody had to do was walk up a flight of steps and then just there was everything in our yard. Yeah. Um, but when I went to look for it the next day, it was just at the end of the block, like in that parking lot at that dentist's office. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, and then the other one was stolen. It was just, it was chained to the pillar in the front of my house here, and somebody just cut the cut the chain and wandered off with it and another bike that were chained up out there. But that was just a, they were, those were both just like $100 Walmart or Target bikes, so. And that was why this one kind of pissed me off, because it was the first time that I decided not to just get the cheapest one at Walmart or Target. And so I went to a you know, used bike place that sells refurbished bikes and spent more to get something that I was going to really enjoy for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the fourth and fifth bike thefts in my history. Mm. I had one stolen during college. Uh, both mine and Jess's got stolen in Phoenix when we were at the condo. Oh, really? Yeah, we left them chained up outside of the wall back there and somebody took them oh that sucks it was probably the hoa yeah there's a in the bylaws it says you're only allowed to have one bike or two unicycles yeah and uh and the penalty for that is just an immediate and summary fine of one bicycle or (laughs) 
well per no. infraction yeah, yeah yeah one yeah one bicycle per infraction beyond the first <laughs> um so sorry plus one yeah you know what like it is not important that the math work out correctly for that joke to work I don't know. I find things that are accurate far more entertaining and amusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what else is new? What else is new? Things? No, no things. I find that my relaxed attitude about, like, I'm not going to drive back to my house to make sure that I remember to close the garage door if I have that pang of worry that I forgot to close the garage door. Although, if I forgot to close the garage door at the office, just everything in the garage would be gone by the next day. So there's there's a little bit of a difference there. And I feel like your neighborhood is in between the office and my house. Yeah, I mean, if the bike had been even... If I had had the bike chain around the wheel instead of just wrapped around the frame, they probably wouldn't have taken it. Yeah. It was just a target of opportunity as opposed to a premeditated... (laughs) <laughs> like a heist. <laughs> Those, like, nine guys show up for the great bike heist, and then the guys who were responsible for actually opening up the garage were like, well, fuck. <laughs> there, <laughs> there goes my cut of the $20 we're going to get from selling that bike. Tonight is not your night, garage door <laughs> opening dude. Yeah, the, uh... I was... I mean, I'm happy that the rest of the shit in the garage didn't get stolen, but it, it it was weird to have just two bikes in the pump to pump up the tires on the bike gone, and then $500 saw that I'm borrowing from my father-in-law sitting there, $100 saw on the other side, brand new lawnmower. It's like, come on, you you dumb kids. They didn't even take the helmets. Huh. At least... At least be safe. I mean, a bike is like a theft that provides its own getaway vehicle. Right. Whereas, like, you know, stealing a table saw <laughs> requires a little more coordination than the average crackhead is gonna gonna be able to muster on short notice. I think. I like to imagine them balancing it on the bicycle. Okay. Yeah. It's like, the- wait, he's got this this wagon right here that we could throw the table saw in. We could hook it to the back wheel. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess my gar- my garage, when I think about the contents of my garage, there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing of any, apart from, you know, my car and my bicycles, there's not much that anybody would steal that is of any actual value to me, hmm. you know? I mean, like, I-, I have some decent tools, but they're not nice enough that I couldn't replace them yeah. readily. I mean, I guess that maybe there's some stuff that was like, oh, well, that was my dad's pair of channel locks, and I would be sad to lose it. But it also wouldn't be the end of the world if they broke, you know? Like, eh. So all my crates of toys from my childhood are out there just uh, waiting for somebody to have to throw them away after I die. You should give them to somebody who has a kid. Eh, they're all, they're all comprehensively played with. Hmm. You can give them to the goodwill. Eh, I don't know. There was, I played a video game that was about hoarding, and uh, <laughs> there's just a bunch of stuff in this house. You know, was it, it, it was every easy. RPG? It's, it's a, well, it was a, you start out in this house that's filled it with junk, and it's, it's junk of like five or six flavors, and a tremendous amount of it is garbage, and the more stuff you get rid of, the more like willpower you get to get rid of stuff, so you can eventually start throwing away like boxes of random stuff, or televisions, or 
old VCRs and stuff that you have in there. <laughs> um, but it's like the, the, just the excuses that it makes are definitely they definitely struck a chord with me because it's like, nah, I'm gonna make something out of that someday. And you know, you're probably yeah. not probably not ever gonna make a. I'm probably not ever gonna do a project with the shelf full of like power supply fans that I have for some reason, but <laughs> I might. You know, make it like Xbox One sound simulator. That hmm. just sounds like the Xbox One did when it was running. That's you true. Hook up like twelve you know, fans. That it, what's funny is that the shelf directly beneath that has my Xbox One on yeah. it. Um. So it would actually be a lot more efficient to just plug that in if I wanted the Xbox One sound emulator. Uh, classic and Xbox. Know, and that's one of those things that, like, I don't. I'm never gonna hook that thing up to a television again. I don't think. But I hate to get rid. Like, I hate to just throw it away, you know, because it's like, well, there's somebody somewhere that might like this and all these games. It, it, well, a, b, it was my dad's, so it's like weird. F- I have this weird aversion to getting rid of things that were dads, which is... I don't think that's weird at all. Well, it's not... I mean, I think it's understandable, but it's not, like, you know, it's not a thing that... You know, so, like, the banjo that I have was also my dad's, but it was just, like, a thing that mom bought him kind of on a whim. Like, it wasn't, like, a treasured possession of him. It's just like, oh, well, you're at home all the time, so that and the Xbox were just like, well, this is just something to do, right, while you're just you know unable to work because of the chemo or whatever so it's not like they're yeah, these... but it's a connection I yeah can see that. But they're not like these treasured possessions right and the banjo specifically like i had my neighbor was like yeah my son is wanting a banjo for christmas and i was like you know i have a banjo that he can borrow and what i meant by he can borrow it was probably like he could just have it you know yeah i wasn't i wasn't like counting on getting it back although i did eventually i talked to i talked to the neighbor and he was like hey did my kid ever give you that banjo back and i said oh no no he didn't and he's like, well, I'll have a talk with him. I'm like, okay, if you say so. If you say so. But I mean, the kid was in a bluegrass band when he was in high school, right? So it like made some sense. But then when he wasn't in a bluegrass band anymore, it's like, why should he be storing that banjo? I would have been. Have you have you learned any banjo? A little bit. It's not so hard. Like, it's a banjo is kind of just like a guitar that's tuned to a major chord. Uh-huh. Right, so you can. It's real easy to bar major chords, and if you get a, if you get a kind of a finger picking rhythm down, it's fairly easy to play, you know, basic banjo music on it. Right. You know, I mean, if you just because one four five one with some finger picking just sounds like a banjo song, right? And that's just nothing, bar four, bar five, or whatever. Um, the to get a good sound out of it, you really need to use those finger picks, though, and that is the that is the thing that's the hardest to get used to. Is like that's so cool though. Only hitting the strings with, and it it's also like I have a tough time when I am finger picking. I sort of have to rest my pinky on the surface of the guitar, and when you do that on a banjo, you're 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 like dampening the drum head on it so it doesn't sound as Ooh, good so you you sort of have to hover your hand over it to play it and then i just kind of lose it's I, you know I, without that crutch it's hard for me to yeah i think that's what keeps me positioned correctly knowing that where the pinky finger is yeah and that's one of those things where they would probably try to beat that out of you if you were taking guitar lessons but like 
I don't care. Yeah. But, you know, maybe they would try to beat that out of you in guitar lessons because they know that one day you're going to want to learn to play the banjo and then you're not going to be able to get away with that shit anymore. But, I mean, and somebody who can play the guitar could pick up a banjo and be able to, like, plunk out, a, you know, some rudimentary stuff. And it's kind of like a ukulele, right? Like, there's not... Have you ever tried to play a ukulele? I have a little bit. My wife got one for her birthday a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, not, you know, there's not much. I'm poking around. It's fun. Like, it, I was able to pretty quickly make the, you know, like, different shapes for chords. Yep. Took a second to get, but then it's... I can now play it as... It kind of half-assedly as I play the guitar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's... So yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's fun to be able to just make banjo noises at will. <laughs> like yeah. Um, you know, once you once you learn the whole, I think you're kind of done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. You start playing Mumford and Sons. I guess. I guess. You know, they've had- there is one song. There is one song that that starts with just like har har har. I'm pretty sure. They harmonize. You know, it's more. It's like it's like uh, folk rock offspring. Yeah. <laughs> he gotta keep him separated. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. It's. I feel like gotta keep him separated. What is that song actually called? Come out and play. Maybe is it? Yeah, it's, it's, hey, hey, pay no mind. You're okay. So I was gonna say that song. I feel like it doesn't actually doesn't actually very well encapsulate what Offspring is all about, but it sort of does. I forgot that that was this that was the song that had that chorus. So still definitely yeah. has the like yelling harmonizing. There are. We there are two kinds of Offspring songs, and one of them is the kind that's built around like a dumb sample. And then one of them, the other sounds exactly the same, but without the dumb sample. Yeah. So you have, like, uh, pretty, low self-esteem. Pretty fly for a white guy. Yeah, pretty fly for a white guy, and, like, why don't you get a job? And the one that has, you can do it, in it. And then there's, like, the other ones that are almost identical, like low self-esteem, that I, I like better because they don't have some dumb sample in them. But I wouldn't say, like... Go Offspring. Hmm. They're all right. I don't know. I they like, were good um, in the film Idle Hands. I like uh, what is it? Far is Far Away or Gone Away? Far Away. Oh, Gone Away. Yeah. Gone Away. Yeah, Gone Away is good. Hmm. That's one of those. That's one of those songs that when I heard it the first time, I was like, Oh, of course, of course, that's a song. <laughs> it's just the uh, white guy's version of I'll Be Missing You. Is it? Well, yeah, in the same way that Puff Daddy's song is about missing somebody who's not alive anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, white people can enjoy Puff Daddy's music. I thought that you meant structurally, like, and I'm like, no, I mean, because it's not like they just took some other song and then wrote... (laughs) Different lyrics to the exact same song. Man, I wish I wasn't such an asshole about hip-hop. I just can't say... That bit of it, I can't. When it's just, like, the chorus is just the chorus to some other song, and they change the lyrics, like, no. But when somebody's sampling and, like, transforming the source material in a way that it doesn't sound like it, 
it, it, it's just another song that that I can dig. Yeah, I mean the part the part of the thing that makes me feel like I'm just being a racist asshole by feeling the way that I do about hip hop is that I just fucking don't mind at all when the Beastie Boys do it. Uh-huh. And I don't know, like I don't know that that slow ride is any more transformative of low rider than I'll be missing you is of every breath you take. Hmm. But uh, part of it, I think is that I was exposed to the beastie boys much, much earlier. And so often the, either the only or the first time I heard a thing was when they sampled it. Sure. And so when I hear, when I hear, Lowrider, I think, oh yeah, this is that song from that Beastie Boys song. <laughs> you know. I think that if you're... I'm glad that rap has gotten past, for the most part, that thing, like You Can't Touch This is just the entire song Super Freak with somebody rapping on top of it. Yeah. Because if you pull, like, the bass kick from a song and three notes of the guitar from another song and a vocal that you've played backwards and slowed down from another song and you're just kind of using little snippets of song sound as like Legos to build your loops. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a thing. Right, because I mean, that's a, like, that, that is, I would say, exactly how you would describe the process of like prodigy making a song. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess like, <clears throat> like Ryman and Steelen taking the drum loop from a Led Zeppelin song that that I don't think of as the same as I don't even I don't know what song it is exactly that 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 made me really feel this way about modern hip hop I don't remember what it was but you know it might be maybe it's that Puff Daddy song but I guess just that's the thing. Just like oh, this, the chorus of this song is just the catchy chorus of a different song. And, but also the same. I don't know. You are my angel of the morning, angel. Yeah, oh, yeah. Closer Jesus. than my peeps, you are yeah, to me. Jesus Christ. And plus, it's in that case, it's even dumber lyrics. So, sure, because yeah. I mean that was no great shakes to begin with, but. It didn't and it didn't have the word peeps in it, so <laughs> I think it wins by default. Um did, so how about say run DMC versus Aerosmith? <laughs> I think that was a thing that you could get away with when rap was a kind of a new form. Yeah. But it like it's awkward when you hear it now because the the words are cadenced to be sung, I, I guess. Like, there aren't enough words for there not to be a melody behind them, kind of. But, you know, it's fun. I would rather listen to the original of that one. Okay, so how about uh, Gangsta's Paradise? Is it different? That one's weird for me because I don't know the... I didn't know the original song first. Yeah, same same with me. And I, and I feel like that's got the chorus. I don't know, I don't know what the the like string strikes in the verses were sampled from or maybe they were not sampled from anything maybe they were original hmm yeah I never heard what is the actual 
I don't know. I, I have to admit, like... It's a Stevie Wonder song. Yeah, and I know that I'm supposed to... I know that you're someone who, who claims to be entitled to opinions about music is supposed to at least have a passing familiarity with Stevie Wonder, but... My, uh... Oh, it's the uh, Pastime Paradise is the song, and apparently the the string bit is a new orchestration of the music of the song. So, oh. I mean, I, I guess that's the same thing, but my lack of familiarity with the source material makes it okay. Right. Like, this is why I've kind of tried to stop being a dick about this stuff, because it's, it is so subjective. Like, there's nothing that makes, say, They Might Be Giants an amazing transformative band if you're hearing them when you're 30 for the like for the first time so i'm not gonna insist that somebody who hears some of it and doesn't like it keep listening until they do it right yeah Yeah. it's almost like people can have different opinions about art and that doesn't mean they're dumb Mm -hmm. which is a weird place it's also okay to like things that are made by racists or homophobes (laughs) hmm like kingdom of loathing (laughs) yeah exactly and Ender's Game, right? Um, I can't think of the uh, I can't think of the name of the Stevie Wonder song that is just really really good. That I know that we uh, we played a version of it in band. I feel like my band director in junior high was a big Stevie Wonder fan. Superstition? Uh, no, it was the and then it's got like it's got a big horn section in the middle. It's like. Uh, I believe you, but I don't. Yeah, fuck. I recognize just, I, it. I've only heard like four Stevie Wonder songs, though. Honestly. Yeah, I can't. I just can't. Uh, I, I keep thinking that if I that if I scroll through this Wikipedia page, that I will eventually see the name of this song that I recognize from the top of. Uh, The, the top of the, the sheet music. I feel like it's almost got to be from the 60s, but... I, maybe not. I mean, there's also... Hmm. Uh, I remember once my... Uh, and this... I feel like this is another one of those things that was... Un, unbeknownst to me at the time, very formative in my... Very formative of my sense of humor was this kid who was my my cousin somehow removed uh just walked up to me in gym class in like fifth grade and he said hey have you heard the new stevie wonder song i love soda pop and i said no and he said it goes i just called to say i love soda pop and then he just ran off like (laughs) that is the best joke i had ever heard at that point in my life it's like alright man between that and the highlights magazine reprint of that Gilligan's Island joke about doctor doctor I, I bit my ear how'd you manage to do that I stood on a chair like that was it it was all over for me yeah cause that hits that the random in the first one and the absurd in the in the second mm, example yep yep I forgot what the uh, elements of comedy that are farts oh yeah are. oh it's Farts, uh, absurdity, randomness, timing, uh, timing, and Sub- subversion. Subversion. Okay. Yeah. It it would be so much better if F were the last letter in farts, right? So that 
<clears throat> yeah. Or, okay, so <laughs> you could just say, all right, the elements of comedy are, are best summarized as arts, farts, absurdity, randomness, timing, and subversion. But that doesn't work quite as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm still working on my joke about how the about the building blocks of comedy. Right. I um. So I've I've been I've been workshopping a, a joke that you cannot. It like this is unlike the things that I normally roll over in my head because I'm not trying to produce them as a tweet, uh, because it would be <laughs> impossible. But basically, the, the 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 I think the form I've got it in now is. Oh man, do you remember that peanut special where Charlie Brown opens the salvage shop in his house and then when his dad gets home he's all mad and he goes. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> that's that's right. delightful. No, no, it like seems that. like it's pretty good, but I it's I got I got to get that front part punchier. It's like there's this there is this tension between understanding that it's about Sanford and Son before you get to the music and it being too long for you to really pay attention to. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know where I don't know where to go with that exactly. It's close. I can I can feel it. <clears throat> you also reminded me of the uh, the funniest thing you had ever heard at one point, which was, "You want to play some p p p p p pinball?" <laughs> yep. Ah, God. If you ever want to be hilarious, just uh, I don't know. There there are a few things funnier than randomly singing. And one of the only things that's funnier than randomly singing things that were not meant to be sung is speaking song lyrics. Yeah, yeah. But I understand that those aren't universal constants because I've sat next to people who are just poker-faced while somebody manages to work two or three lines of a song into a conversation. I, I don't understand those people, pa, but pa, I, I can hang pa, with pa, them. Pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-poker-faced? Yeah. All right, you want to read this questions thread? Sure. Let me get uh, get up in there. Casey Wiederman, who is the uh, Latvian version of Casey Wiederman, says, Chick, it is funny that the beer you grab onto is an example of why Canadian beer sucks is actually an American beer. They had to change their branding from made in Canada to made from Canada when they were bought out. Canadian beer is generally <laughs> higher proof than American beer and of much higher quality, so your comment confused me. Were you thinking of the opposite? Yeah, that often happens. I'll say something, and it turns out that what I meant was the opposite. <clears throat> I wouldn't, like... Are we in a fair fight here? Because American beer, as we think of like the Coors and the Miller, the Millers is in the buds of the world. It does suck balls, but all of the craft beer coming out of America, you know, there's a there's a lot of decent stuff in there. Yeah, and and, and also a, a wide enough spectrum that I think it becomes impossible to really compare. Hmm. I mean, I think I can probably say that like American beer is across the board just median, mean, and mode better than say Czech beer. Because every Czech beer that I've ever had has been identical and gross. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's mostly that I just don't know about any actual Canadian. If, if, especially if Molson isn't Canadian. It's fucking made from Canada. It just seems like maybe, all right, well, this is a, this is a wattle and daub house that is made from Canada. Because it's actually, like, the building materials are parts of Canada. Right. Um, this, this. I just like the idea of, this is made from Canada. You don't know from Canada. Uh, That's just because I like the way that... I like that setup of speech. WVO Coin says, Dreadsylvania has increased the number of fart jokes in the game by something like a factor of five. Why the change of oh, fart? 
That's pretty. That's a pretty <laughs> clever, uh, deliberate typo there, W.V. Oakwine, or a pretty fortuitous accidental typo. Yeah, I don't know. This I feel like this came up when I said something about fart jokes being sort of off limits for us, and you said, "Oh, are they?" Because I wrote a lot of fart jokes into this new clan dungeon. It's. I mean, I still try and be at least a little bit sly about it and have there be an actual joke beyond just the monster farted. Mm -hmm. But we were dealing with writing a whole lot of, like, encounters for stench monsters. Yep. And in that case, there are only so many things you write about garbage and you you end up getting into sewage and then you you're kind of approaching that sideways a little bit and then you're like yeah what the fuck it's a stench ghost like sure you can the next time you have an accident you can blame it on the stench ghost mm-hmm. yeah uh, it's something like stench ghosts can cause stench spots the same way that regular ghosts cause cold spots or at least that's what you can claim next time you're at your girlfriend's parents house like, that's a fart joke. I like to think it's, it's a little bit classy. No, it is. It is, I guess. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. In the future, the we're going to add just wave files of people farting. Ah, oh, that's pretty good. That's going to be an item of the month is just a bunch of fart noises. Yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, people, you know, the, people made tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars selling fart apps for the iPhone. Yeah. Why can't we? We should do a... Uh, an item that is just the butt, and it gives you a chat effect that every time you say something, it just plays a, a wave file of a fart. Yep. How would people know it was coming from you? The boner butt. Well, anybody who complains that they heard it is obviously the one who dirt it. Oh, huh. If you heard it, you done dirt it. <laughs> yep. I don't feel very happy about the way that turned out. <laughs> Uh man. Do we are we do we care about offending rednecks? <laughs> the purveyors of such hit songs that's as one Cotton of the... Eye Joe. <laughs> well, any any redneck will tell you that they're the only oppressed minority that it's not okay to make fun of or that it is okay to make fun of. Mm, yeah. Although, I mean, cisgendered, heterosexual, privileged white males yeah, you know what? I'm never accepting cisgender. Yeah. No. What I... I mean... I feel like I have I know better than to argue with anybody on the internet about it. Sure. Um, and... I suppose I can understand the reasoning, but, but in practical terms... It is just used as another adjective that you can put in front of somebody on the internet like white or male or heterosexual or privileged to make it so that it is impossible for them to make a point that's contrary to your sort of radical hardline left view Hmm. that it's, I don't know. Is it hate speech? Oh, probably. It's probably hate speech. To me, it just... I don't like the way that it sounds. Like, it's cisgender. Like, it, it it hits the same button as all of the gender-neutral pronouns. Like, every single one that anybody's tried to come up with. Like, there's nothing wrong with the concept, but 
they all sound so dumb. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the concept, which is why we should stop being dicks about using they as a singular pronoun. Yeah. You know, I mean, because that's just what people do. That's what you would do if you were talking. It's just when you write it that you're like, well, I know that this is a grammatical error, so I can't commit it to writing. So I'm just going to have to just fuck this sentence in half by using he or she twice in the sentence. Yeah. And it's, ah, God, it's like, I hate it. I hate it when I have to write something where I am forced to, to grapple with that. Yeah, I tend to try and split the difference. Be a little bit awkward in construction if I can. Like, there's an acceptable level of awkwardness I'll accept over having to say everyone should grab their books. Yeah, yeah. You could just say the books. You know, like you can say hear the lamentations of the women. We should each grab our book. Yeah, we should each grab my dick <laughs> in sequence. <laughs> Slower. Um. Oh, what was that? Fuck. That reminded me of something else. Oh, you know, so this is this is probably as good a time as any to say this. Uh, it, for those listeners who like the Monday show for the part of it before the uh, the KOL part, which I assume that there are some of you out there, but um, you would also probably like this podcast called Roderick on the Line, which is a which is a podcast that Merlin Mann and John Roderick, who's the lead singer of the Long Winters, and he's just sort of like a like an aging indie rock dude in uh, Seattle. Uh, but the last the last episode of that, the one that I don't uh, precisely remember the name of, but I'm going to look it up for you, um, had what I feel like was one of the most sort of like, yes, I believe it's episode 78, Driving Lesson Costume. It has one of the most like articulate indictments of the political climate that frustrates me in a lot of the corners of the internet where I hang out that I that I have ever heard and it's and it was just I don't know I listened to it and I was like you know that's this makes me feel more okay than most things on the internet which just make me feel like I'm not sensitive enough you know hmm. like because this is a guy who is just demonstrably not a bigot or an asshole and I think everyone basically understands that but who is sort of display and i mean that's that's basically it right the the idea that, that like the internet is so polarizing ideologically by by virtue of the fact that like the people who aren't calling you a faggot in comments are so convinced that their sort of radical sensitivity is the right way to be that anything that is not that like anything that edges even slightly toward the middle from that or anything that urges consideration of those views is immediately branded as bigotry or racism or homophobia and that it is that it is just like super toxic to discourse and that's something that I've always found very off-putting Although he also, he then went on to say that Metafilter was like a bastion of reason in a sea of that, which I'm like, whoa, <laughs> buddy. I thought you were talking about Metafilter that whole time. So the problem for me is that I hate it when I'm annoyed by people with whom I generally agree. And that's where I get the like, 
I would agree with pretty much all of your statements on politics and how we should treat our fellow man. But here you're saying that, you know, Seth MacFarlane's We Saw Your Boobs song at the Oscars was tantamount to rape. And if I argue with you about it, then I'm just an apologist for rape culture. And like, and I agree with you on so many things, but yeah, yeah. damn it. Yeah, you know there was a there were some there were some Twitter comments as a result of an episode of and this was just the wrong place to talk about this. But we talked about that that uh, pickup artist book on Kickstarter on video games, hot dog. And the, the the only thing that I said about it was like, sure, this thing is reprehensible, but I think we want to be careful about calling for books to be burned, and we want hmm. we want to think about whether whether we can say that censorship is bad unless it is censorship of things that we disagree with or whether that's at least something that should be, you know, casually vetted for hypocrisy, right? Like, hmm. you say, like, there, I think there is just this idea that there are some subjects that once you touch on them at all, there is no room for disagreement. And I don't think that there are any subjects about which there is no room for disagreement. And so then the response to that is, well, I'm sorry, but I think that rape is a subject about which there is no room for disagreement. And it's like, yes, you're absolutely correct. There is no room for disagreement about whether or not rape is bad, but there is room for disagreement about whether a particular thing is fundamentally about rape or not, or whether... Even if even if there was a book, How to Rape Chicks, I still don't think that I get to burn that book. I don't think that I get to stop someone from writing and selling that book to people. In the mm. same way that I don't think that I get to stop somebody from writing and selling The Anarchist Cookbook. Or, you know, as fucking gross as it is, OJ's book, right? He had a right yeah, to write and sell think... that book because one of the things that we have, and you know, and one of the things that, and and listen to me, I'm going to go all hillbilly on this. One of the things that dudes fought and died for was the idea that we live in a place where you can say whatever you want. And yeah, but does he have the right to be funded on somebody else's fundraising site? It's that is a hundred percent up to them. Yeah, and then do do you think that it's untoward for people to put pressure on Kickstarter to not carry the No, book? I don't. I don't. I just think that I just think that I don't agree with them and I think that disagreeing with them does not make me a bad guy. Yeah, I mean, No, nobody... but see you're trying to silence them because you don't agree with what they're saying. So, uh, yeah. No. I'm kidding. No, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to. I I don't want them to not do it. I want them to acknowledge that they are that they are that they are encouraging and requesting censorship. Right. Yeah. I mean, so it's like I feel like we've had this discussion before. There is that guy who is in jail for posting to Facebook that he was going to blow up a school, and all the people on Metafilter are like, no way should that guy be in jail, that's crazy. But if that guy had posted to Facebook, I'm gonna go kill a bunch of niggers tomorrow, they would say, that guy should absolutely be in jail. And Or sometimes I get so frustrated I just wanna rape someone. Yeah. And so, and I think, oh, now, 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 like, what you have just done 
is that you have said that this one thing that you think is not a big deal is a joke, and this one thing that you do think is a big deal is not a joke. And you you don't get to do that without at least arguing that they are different somehow at their core, right? And and it's like just drawing attention to that makes me a racist. And the problem is if you... You could actually believe that these things are fundamentally different at their core, but in fact, you're just blind to the ways in which they are similar because you are you have an affinity towards one or the other. You know, like I, I could say, like they might be giants is a fundamentally better <clears throat> band than Ween is, but that just makes me blind to the ways in which you can't really compare things on an objective level when they're. We were talking about art. Sure. I mean, then that's the thing, you know. Like, I, I, I would, sub, I would support the assertion that no one should be arrested for anything that they post to Facebook. I think, I think that that is a statement that I could agree with with a hundred percent certainty. Yeah, and and you see, like the guy who was sitting in an airport in England and posted my flight better leave in the next half hour or I'm gonna, I don't know, blow up the airport or something. Like, that, that guy's kind of an idiot. But I don't think he was gonna actually blow up the airport. But I, yeah. you know. No, I mean, I think it's yeah. probably okay for guys with guns to ask that dude to leave the airport. But it is not okay mm. for him to actually be charged with a crime. But, you know, I mean, that's just me being a crazy redneck hillbilly racist sexist monster yeah so if he if he had a gun in the airport you would be like obviously he has a right to be there yeah, of course with his gun ah man yeah i don't know you know i mean it's like it it, it is i think at its core our the same argument that that you and i have had about car seat laws or whatever, which is just that like yeah. i kind of want the same level of attention and scrutiny i want people to think as critically about the things that they agree with as they do about the things that they disagree with because that is what critical thinking is or you're doing it wrong and that is the way that that is the way that properly applied over time makes people less bigoted makes people less racist makes people less homophobic is they start to think about like well is this thing that i hate really that different than this thing that i like Hmm. i cannot say that it is so maybe my views which are extreme in one way or another could stand to be a little less extreme and that that has to go in whatever direction makes the most objective sense as far as our ability to determine objective sense and that is that is the entirety of my argument against every bit of extremism everywhere and I, and, I, and I don't like that it's like, well, that's not extremist because I agree with it. Like, well, no. I mean, yeah. things can be extremist and right on the surface, you know? Like, it, it, that's... It's tricky. It's tricky straits to navigate. And so that's why I don't think we're... I don't think we're meant to be able to talk to everyone all at once. And I don't think that we're meant to have everything that we've ever said recorded for posterity. Yeah. People aren't built to be able to deal with that shit. I lost. I lost track. So fart jokes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's what. That's that's why. 
That is why, WVO Quine. Uh, Felony says, there's certainly been an emphasis on spending a lot of adventures in different places recently. Clothing of loathing, hot dog unlockers, folders for the item of the month, multiple instances of Dreadsylvania. Has this been a conscious decision to get people to play more often and spend more turns? Are you worried that many players might be overwhelmed? Uh, well, I don't know what the clothing of loathing... I mean, I guess if you mean that putting putting something in the sea was a a way of emphasizing people spending time there that is kind of the same as just developing content. I mean, the hot dogs and the folders, I, I will admit, are more similar to one another than either of them is to anything else in the game, I guess. But, um... Yeah, it was slightly uncomfortable with like coming up with that trick of having new items added to the world and then doing that twice well except that we didn't so i mean i i think the fact that nobody sees those folders unless they have the item right yeah that that is makes it different and also that they're all pretty easy to get and none of them none of them are like really hidden or tricky or limited in any fundamental way um anyway you know any more so than anything else is so yeah i mean but but yeah like i feel like if somebody suggests something that works like that as an item of the month in the next year any number of us will probably say, eh, maybe we shouldn't do another one of those just yet. And it'll yeah. be fine. Um, I'm not at all worried that players might be overwhelmed. I mean, it's... These are not really things that are making things more complicated. They're just... There's already a lot of shit to do because we've been giving you new shit to do at a pretty good clip for ten years. And so, you know... It, I, if If... If the last six years worth of stuff didn't overwhelm people, the last four weeks and five months worth of stuff aren't going to. Maybe that's my bias. I just can't imagine logging in and seeing, like, oh, there's a new clan dungeon and a new, a couple new items of the month that are adding content, and I just don't know what I should do first, so I'm not going to do any of it. Fuck it. I can't imagine that. Like, I will do the first thing that I'm looking at, and then I will do the next thing when I get done with it. And yeah, or I'll get bored with I'm it. I'm delighted that there are 50 new things for to later. Do. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I mean, this game, more than anything that's like this, doesn't, you know, it's not like if I don't do this now, it will be obsolete in a month, right? It's not, it's not like we just keep upping the ante linearly the way that a traditional MMO does. So, hmm. uh, Wax says, Mr. Skullhead, you're up. Oh, I'm, I'm going to weigh in on this uh, yeah. before you do, maybe. Mr. Skullhead, you're up. <laughs> I'm going I'm to read that part three more times. Mr. Skullhead, you're up. Mr. Skullhead, you're up. Mr. Skullhead, you're up. I recently acquired the Tales of Dread book from Dresdelvania because Riff said it was a book of stories that you could unlock. I understood it to have no gameplay impact. It was just writing, from my understanding, a collaborative effort between you and Riff. It was also requested that the stories not be spoiled because they're the only reason to get the book. My feedback on this, and hopefully something that will start a nice discussion if this thread doesn't get longer, is that this writing-only aspect seems to go against the careful marriage of gameplay and writing that are why I play the game to this date. If the game was purely mechanics, it would have none of its charm and would fall to the wayside like so many browser-based video games. If it was purely writing, it would cease to be a game, even accepting mediums such as MUDs and text adventures and keeping in mind that this portion of the game has no mechanics other than the requirement to unlock its stories. Was it a conscious decision to provide no mechanical benefit to players who acquired the tales? Um, and I'm also, because this question is super long, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off there. I mean, y- yes, it was a, a conscious decision to provide 
no mechanical benefit for it because that's that's what it is. It was a conscious decision to provide a bunch of stuff that was just writing independent of of like any you know and this is not to say like sleazy manipulation but but independent of any manipulation right i mean it's like we don't i have often said that to me the game is the item descriptions and the hit and miss texts and i i I understand that this is not true right but it's not like it's not like we put the game there as a way of tricking you into reading the jokes, right? I mean, this is like, it's like saying that writing a bunch more attack texts for weapons is somehow like doing a bunch of... So, so that I mean, that is the thing. We did a bunch of work on writing individual attack texts for weapons that provides no mechanical benefit at all. And I guess if the difference is that you have to pay for the tails... Um. Yeah, I, I think that there is value in really any, not just our game, but in like a, say a Mass Effect or a Bioshock or Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. There's value in getting like a manual or a or an ollie or a grind, sorry. There's a value in getting a book that you can open and it tells you something about the world in which you're playing. Yeah. And I think the intrinsic value of that is it's an entertaining look at the, you know, the, the world that is being built and then like the a chance to hang out for a second with the designers of the of the world that you're playing in and seeing what's going on in their heads. I don't know, people seem to think that there's this like missed opportunity thing that we just didn't add a gameplay aspect to this and so people are somehow cheated when the intent was in addition to all the rewards that we have in here mechanically here's a thing that is just kind of neat to read like we want to create something that people are going to have fun reading and that's it and it's i mean it's 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 collection aspect like it's just a little game that you get to play right by gathering those things and it's you know i don't know like i feel like if the thing did have a mechanical benefit to gathering those stories there would be a bunch more people saying like god damn it why do i have to go through all this rigmarole of gathering these stories just so that i can have the mechanical benefit of whatever this thing does and that's not what it that's not what it should be you know i mean do you yeah we wanted to make it clear that it it is its own reward it is like a way more complicated version and a way cheaper version of the tattoo that you can buy in that store right it's just this is a thing we made here you go yeah we don't have people clamoring on too much at least about why tattoos don't have a gameplay aspect. No. I, although I think some people would argue that they do in the sense of that there is a that, that there is a PvP mini. Right? So they they yeah. do have they do have the like dick measuring value. So I guess that we should add a PvP mini that's number of Tales of Dread red. Sure. Yep. 
Um, okay, we'll get right on that, Mike. Yeah. Thank you. No, I mean, I like I appreciate I appreciate you you asking this in a way that's not you know un- unfriendly. I mean, it's 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 not like to say was it a conscious decision to provide no mechanical benefit? Like, no, because it was never. You know, it's like we never sat there wondering whether we yeah, should, th- because that just wasn't what we were doing with this. It was like, oh man, you know, I've really been enjoying when Riff and Scully get the chance to write something spooky recently, and so why don't I do a thing that's just a storybook that you unlock stories over time? I mean, it could have just been like a feature of the dungeon, but then I thought, well, no, that's also you know, we can we can kind of thicken up the selection at the, the in-store by just making this a thing that you buy, and that way it's not, you know, it's like, it's a thing that you're only going to go for if it's meaningful to you. Like, I don't I don't think that there is anybody who is getting surprised by spending 250 Krugerrands or however much the thing costs on a thing that doesn't do anything in terms of gameplay, because I think the kind of person that would be upset about that would probably check the wiki before they spend that much of a currency if they thought of that as a lot of that currency. Right. And so I just, you know, it like it's okay if that's not for you. And the reason that we the reason that we don't want those things put on the wiki is because we want for the people who want to read those stories, we want them to spend the Krugerrands on it. Because if you want it that bad, then you won't mind doing that. Right. I mean, I, I sort of I reject the idea that because you can read monster descriptions on the wiki without actually playing KOL, that monster descriptions don't count as as content for KOL, that they don't count as part of what makes KOL good and what it is. And I think a lot of people think about it that way. You know? Right. And and while I can understand it, and there are probably games that I play in exactly the same way that I would if I believed that. But it's, you know, it's, 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 it's up to us whether that's a thing that is valuable to us or not. And it is, and so we've, you know, we're giving you the opportunity to decide whether or not it's valuable to you. And sort of put your fake money where your fake mouth is. And, and like, it, I feel like people tend to panic when something gets added to the game that is not, that doesn't fit their play style. And there's this idea that maybe this is the time where we just stop caring about their play style and they don't get anything else catered to them forever. But it's going to be all right. Like, we're not going to do that. We haven't done that yet, and we're not going to do it now. It's just we made one thing that you're not that into, so that's cool. And this is going to come up some more later in this thread, actually. Um, But Mr. Adventurer writes... Are there any plans to give people exclusive untradeable items based on total amounts of donations over the player's lifetime? I, you've donated $600 for said player name's lifetime, and now you get insert item here. Uh, no, that is absolutely not something that we would do. Like, that's just... Because that would be then requiring people to spend yeah. the money. That's that's sort of just fundamentally them. against the way in which we sort of run the business model. I, don't, I guess you don't run a business model. Uh, Lord Hack says, Jake, you mentioned liking or at least not hating the last Airbender movie. I haven't seen it yet, but a friend finally convinced me to watch the series, and I loved it. You talk often about trying to find a series for kids that encourages them to create their own stories, and I think Avatar fits that bill wonderfully, with all sorts of implied backstory and legends that are hinted at. I really recommend it. Sadly, it was taken off Netflix right after I started, so it might be a little harder to track down. I think it'd be good to watch with your kids, Scully, but maybe wait a year or two. The morals are good, but it's sort of intense, and you've said your kid is a bit sensitive. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I started watching it and I really liked it. But I think he was not quite ready for it. I think he probably is now. He's uh we've we've finished Batman Brave and Bold. He's been watching Justice League and Avengers. And uh I don't know. I still feel a little weird having him watch something that doesn't have any value beyond like the cultural value. Like you're not getting anything out of episodes of Batman except it's cool to watch Batman wreck shit. Yeah. So, like, it having no, no, like, even slight educational substance or anything is, like, I, I guess I'm kind of, I feel like I'm wasting his time, but at the same time, Batman's cool. Yeah, I mean, there's no, you know, there's no, you don't learn anything from watching The Goonies, except that, like, I would hate to be me only without having watched The Goonies, you know? Yeah, and it, what made me relax about it is that I watch stuff that is not maybe edifying, but is entertaining, and that seems to be good for me. Yeah, I don't think that... So it's probably good I for I don't him. think that we have the, the proper circuitry, the circuitry, to, uh, to only do things that are edifying. Like, I feel like if you're the kind of person that says you do that, then you're probably kind of an asshole. And I don't want him to go to... Like, I don't want him to go to kindergarten not knowing about like Angry Birds and whatever the what else are the kids into like Thomas the Tank Engine and all that shit like he should be able to have conversations with kids based on their common interests so he should know who Spider-Man is yeah although I mean so how do you feel about Spongebob in that arena yeah that's where I'm a hypocrite because (laughs) I, I can't stand that shit so yeah, I mean, he knows who SpongeBob is. He's not going to just, like, who's the yellow guy on your shirt? But, yeah, he's not watching that shit in my house. Is this speaking of, well, I mean, you basically did speak to this Batman thing. Um, Lilac says, what does it all mean, really? I mean, really, when you get right down to it. Well, I mean, same as anything. Fuck as many high school girls as possible. Hmm. What's it all about, Alfie? I have What's no it all about, Alf? 42. <laughs> It's about eating cats and... And being sarcastic. Yeah. We saw... <laughs> um, we went to... Uh, when my mom was in town and we went to Golden Gate Park, there was a there was like a... You know, one of the little park maintenance guy golf carts that they ride around in. And like strapped to the console between the seats was an ALF doll that looked like it had just been strapped there since ALF was a thing. <laughs> It's pretty strange. <laughs> uh, Glebe says, what would you do if the NSA asked you for logs of KOL's chat? You know, that's a good question. I think it is unlikely that they would do that. But I have a feeling that if somebody was like, if if somebody who was demonstrably, say, I don't know, an FBI agent showed up and said, we're trying to figure out whether this guy is the guy that murdered a bunch of people or not can you produce his private message logs, I think that I would probably feel like I should give it to them. Yeah, I feel... Do you feel that it would be different if they just said, we need all of your chat logs for the past five years? No, it certainly would be, because, I mean, like, that would be a thing that would be a tremendous amount of work for us to provide. Right? Uh And 
you know, it's also just like, I wouldn't do it if it, I wouldn't do it if it was framed as I mean. So basically, they would have to lie to me if they wanted to get me to do it. I wouldn't do it if it was framed as a like, just we're gathering this data just in case. And it's like, no, just in case we've got it. So this is cool. Um, okay. I mean, that's it. Yeah, this is this is another thing that nobody really needs to hear my opinions about. But uh, I have some I have some sympathy for the notion of a surveillance state. Just because we kind of run one on a small scale here, and if somebody says that somebody, you know, threatened them or called them a dirty name, we can verify it and then punish the people for that. And that's just fine. That is one of one of our most powerful tools for maintaining civility. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I also don't think of England as a dystopian wasteland, but I guess that's beside the point. Ugh, man. I don't know if I've talked about this on any other podcasts, but we were downtown the other day. Uh, we went down to have some cocktails with Smooth Mooth, and walking through one of the subway stations closer to downtown, there was a hallway where the floor and the walls and the ceiling were all plastered with just a, probably a 50-foot-tall movie poster. Like it was just, the, the interior of the building was just made out of advertising, and there were just a line of homeless dudes sleeping in the corners of it and I was just like well <laughs> here we are dystopia like yeah. that's uh man just makes me want to not go back there <laughs> I'll just I'll just stay where you know it. this is still a poor enough part of town that the homeless people are just sleeping on garbage instead of sleeping on shiny things that are designed for the rich people to walk through there during the day <laughs> so it just feels a little more authentic you know uh, Alaril says, are you thinking of moving KOLCon to San Francisco? No, no, absolutely not. Um, I don't, I cannot imagine a set of events that would result in that, at least for the next f- five to ten years. Um, and God willing, we're still doing KOLCons in five and ten years. Yeah. Uh, in- it would be extremely strange to try and pull that off with people getting hotel rooms and and vacation rentals and yeah stuff. it would be i mean it would be like an order of magnitude more expensive for us and for all of the attendees an order of magnitude is probably an exaggeration but i will bet i bet that it would cost us five times as much to put it on and cost yeah. everybody every individual person five times as much to be here for it <clears throat> Uh, Infinius says, you guys keep referring to the spindler and to word buckets in your podcast. Are those common design patterns? Are these things that you guys just came up with? How does the spindler work? Word buckets, I can guess, are just custom dictionaries. Also, Dreadsylvania has tons of fun so far. So, word buckets are what we started referring to misc texts as, because misc text is hard to say. Um, Especially if you're me. I feel like that's my fault, because I I sometimes have trouble saying Mr. Skullhead. Mm -hmm. So, misc text is not... I mean, it was just a joke uh, that we'd started referring to them internally as word buckets, and then C.D. Moyer changed the link to word buckets instead. Um, but they are basically, <clears throat> they started out as just, it's like, it's like a database table with an identifier and then a, a, and then a text block. And the text block is just individual lines, and there are functions that do various things uh, with that. But mostly what they do is just pull out one at random. Um, so that's just for randomizing messages. And since, since we did the Mad Libs, uh, the Tome of Rad Libs, I think, or maybe it was prior to that that we did something with 
Yeah, it had to have been before that. I don't remember what we first developed the like comprehensive Mad Lib engine for. Um, mm. But we just used them as sort of templates for generating content, like the, the name generators for the werewolves, for instance, in <clears throat> uh, in Dreselvania are like one for uh, one for each set of elemental prefixes, one for the werewolf body part, one for each of the elemental verbs, and one for the victims, and then one sort of uh, physical verb uh, set. And then the, the, there's a template word bucket that just calls individual things in from other buckets to produce the names. Uh, the spindler, actually, <clears throat> Xenophobe just referred to the things that he made initially. Like, the first thing that I had him do when I hired him was to make web tools that were custom designed for us to say edit items in the database and we refer to those he just called them spindlers uh, which was just I guess like I mean spindling is like when you put a receipt or something on one of those old spikes right that hold things in place on a desk that's what it means when it says do not fold spindle or mutilate um, right. so it doesn't really mean anything it's just a web form that's connected to a database that is specifically geared to our purposes like there is the monster spindler which we use to create and edit and look at monsters as opposed to just using some generic web database tool like phpMyAdmin. the whole game used to be all of the content used to be developed by me in phpMyAdmin, and some of it still is because there are things that i have to interact with infrequently enough that it doesn't make any sense to even spend an hour of programmer time making a tool for it. Um, but those yeah. are those are few and far between. And a lot of the times I can just like write a manual query to do something like that. Um, hmm. Monkey sixty six says for monsters with randomized names, is there any chance of the monster name command in combat macros checking the name shown in the Manuel instead, e.g. stench hobo, video game minions, all the Dreadsylvania monsters, or does it already have that function and I have no idea how to use it? No, that is a very good idea, actually. Um, I am going to copy that into dev chat so that CD Moyer will see it. And yep, so maybe there will either be a new predicate or it will check. It's possible that we could just do another another like a, a monster property that's just a copy of that name that the monster name predicate will also check against. Um, but I know how much you like these technical questions, Mr. Scullin. Uh Technically, I enjoy them. Uh, Logan5 says, what's the, deal with what's the deal with folders being destroyed when you remove them from the folder holder? Uh, I thought I'd try to get around this by buying a second one and switching between them, but nope, you're not allowed to own more than one. Well, yeah, that's because the only way that we can make an item that has any real identity is by sort of making it an untradeable thing that you can only have one of. Otherwise, there's just a bunch of shit that doesn't make any sense because it would just have no... We don't have, we don't have the infrastructure for you to have more than one of those because of the way that they work. Um... It's frustrating that I can't switch between C mode and Dreadsylvania mode without dropping a bunch of meat each time. It is not going to be a bunch of meat for very long, and that's part of it, is that it is such a good thing that there needs to be some cost associated with its flexibility. And, you know... Yeah, I mean, you're complaining about something that 
when you say this is so awesome that it shouldn't have these limitations, I don't think you realize that unless it has those limitations, it has to be substantially less yeah. awesome. You know, the reason the reason that it gets to have both a very compelling C mode and a very compelling Dreadsylvania mode is because you can't just trivially do both of those things at the same time. <clears throat> How much did you enjoy, says Rusty Knight, coming up with the ideas and writing for Dread? I, it was a lot of fun. There were, yeah, you really came down from the mountaintop with that pretty pretty firmly established yeah. it was literal head. it was literally down from that yeah i'm not gonna say that i mean it's one of those things where i was really looking forward to going up there and designing that thing and i really enjoy having done it but in the moment it was hard and i would not say that i was like i didn't i didn't sleep very well those nights, you know, it was just, it was like, it was a generally like a uh, kind of crazy making. Um, I, I can, I, I like doing that every once in a while. And, and it's like, you know, it's the, there's, it allows me to indulge this sort of romanticized, like, oh yeah, you know, like it would be great. I could get so much done if I just locked myself in a room and did this. And I wish that the distractions of my workaday life weren't constantly impinging on my you know, my glorious artistic process, but then when you actually lock yourself in a room, you're like, fuck, I am locked in a room. Like, this is what they do to, this is what what they do to murderers to punish them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Any vague hints on the forthcoming content-rich path as to what kind of feel it will have? Uh, Same hint as always. Fuck as many high school girls as possible. Uh, will the traveling trader be returning now that we have so many sinks like the hot dot card and dread uh sure always what color are you thinking of now black green uh oh thanks for the question i can what would you uh, rather eat and why sausages or fish fingers fish don't have fingers you know what i haven't done fish sticks for the kid yet oh really ever i'll have to do that yeah, and it's not one of those like I don't want to feed him junk because I I do that occasionally, mm-hmm. but the, just haven't done the the fish sticks. I feel like that's a a part of growing up. You gotta have your like fish sticks and corn dinner. What kind of corn? It's just like niblets. Could be corn on the cob, but if you're doing fish sticks, it means that you're in a hurry, so you're probably just heating up some frozen. Yeah, corn. that's my problem with corn on the cob is that. I always want it. Like, I feel like I would eat corn on the cob three or four times a week because I really like corn on the cob. And it's like, you know, it's like not bad for you, I guess. That's probably bad for you. I don't fucking know. Um, but. The, the, no, high fructose corn syrup on the cob the, is bad for you. But the idea of boiling enough water to cook corn on the cob is always what stops me. Oh, I do it on the grill. Mm, yeah, I don't have a grill here. Do you do them in the soak your, do you do them uh, in the husks? Yeah, soak the husks for what forty five minutes and then, yeah. Come Hinch up. says, "Just why? Why? Fucking why? You know damn well what I'm talking about. You know I think I do know what you're talking about, Hinch. And uh, <laughs> it's, it th- this is a thing that uh, I don't know if anybody else knows what I'm talking about or not. So I'm not going to explain it, but." Some people in dev are also were like, why the fuck did you do this, man? And I thought, well, A, it because I thought it would be funny, and B, because it never occurred to me that anybody would be upset about it, much less upset enough to, like, 
kvetch about it for like an entire day, which is what has been happening for the last day in dev. Uh, man, if that's not what you're talking about, then sorry. And I'm sorry to just be confusing. Maybe that's also true of whatever it is that you are talking about. Yeah, if you're talking about what I think you're talking about, it's because I keep getting older and they stay the same uh -huh, age. Right. Uh, Winterbase says, can you detail the rationale behind forcing three players in the new clan dungeon in order to be able to learn the skills? I've always felt the old dungeons were perfectly done for players in clans of varying sizes, but our small clan, currently two active members, will never be able to get the skills from this one, which makes me somewhat sad. Sure, in Obopolis, you can not get the speed rewards unless you're extremely well organized and somewhat larger, but all normal rewards are available even for solo runs. Yeah, okay. So, if you are in a clan and doing Dredsylvania, you probably are using the chat. And so what you can do is you can go out into the chat where the, the rest of the people in the big scary world live and you can say, hey, would anybody mind coming in and hopping into the machine for us? Would any SEAL clubber mind coming in and hopping into this machine for us so that we can do this thing? You're welcome because we only have two people in our clan to go around all the other non-combats and get your crew grands and get your whatever else you want, you know? And I guarantee that it would take like no minutes for somebody to take you up on that. And you have such good tools for managing permissions that you could make sure that nobody was, was able to do any damage other than, uh, other than you know, going and doing stuff in Dredsylvania. And, like, I mean, the rationale behind forcing three players into the new clan dungeon to be able to get the skills is that the entirety of the idea was putting three people in a machine and having the guy in the middle get a skill that was a combination of the guy on the left and the guy on the right. So it would not have been even remotely possible for those skills to exist without a mechanism which required three players because that is the content right and so like i yeah. i get i get that there are people who want the stuff without having to go to the particular flavor of effort that the stuff requires and to those people i can only say well sorry but th this wasn't for you so just pretend that you're still playing the wonderful game that you had and theoretically were enjoying before this came out, you know? And and I get that I get that, that is yeah, it never it works doesn't that work way. that way. It is not a balm. But you know for you to say that all of the normal rewards were available in Hobopolis for solo runs, all of the normal rewards are available for solo runs of Dredsylvania. It's just that there are slightly more abnormal rewards. Um D. Harper says, and this is this is another thing where you're probably not going to like this answer. I understand why the hot dog stand was made the way it was, but I'm curious. How long would you say, ballpark, it should take a single player to unlock the whole stand? It is not important to us, and it is not important to the design of the hot dog stand, that it be possible for a single player to unlock the whole stand. Right? It is possible, because you can just buy the stuff in the mall. So however long it takes you to farm the however much meat it's going to cost to buy those things in the mall once they settle down at whatever price they're going to settle down at after, after however long. I mean, they may have already. I don't know. But it's... I wouldn't say because it's not a question that I would ever ask myself about the hot dog stand. Like, it is... You know, it's like, how long would you say it would take a single player to have a fun pool party in the swimming pool from last year? A single player can't have a fun pool party because... You can't have a pool party without other people. Right. Uh, Solly Stero says, While under the effect teleportitis, my in-run multi was sent into my clan's new instance of Dredsylvania, thus locking out my main due to multi-abuse. That's an oversight, right? If not, is there a way to prevent it? 
it's not it <laughs> you don't get locked out in any meaningful way like if your multi teleportitis is into dreadsylvania we're not gonna disable you for multi-abuse if that's the only thing that happened like that that's i appreciate you drawing a fence around the law there but it, it don't don't worry about it it's so it is so weird the number of things that people think are wrong with dreadsylvania that are when we get these reports it's like that is how every other clan dungeon works like every other clan dungeon you can teleport titus into as far as i know unless there's just something weird about it that I, that i specifically hard-coded those to not work and you know maybe it is ah, it's been a long time yeah. yeah, but don't 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 worry about it. If if you have a multi that accidentally spends a teleportitis turn inside Dreadsylvania, don't worry about continuing to adventure there on your main. That doesn't count. You're not breaking the rules. Eating ain't cheating. <laughs> yes, that is exactly true. <laughs> it's like, oh no, the stripper fell on my boner, and now I'm an adulterer. <laughs> well, as long as she did it with her mouth. You're not an adult. Slurp says, shouldn't eating the fishy fish and its concoctions give the fishy effect? It's fish meat, after all, even if it's all dried out. Or is the essence of fishiness lost during the process of dehydration? No, the essence of fishiness did not exist until the implementation of the sea, which that item predates. It's a weird, uh, it's a weird metaphysical uh, quirk of KOL's physics. Yeah, when the sea was created, it, it did not come into being as though it had already, it had always existed. It was created at a specific point yeah. in time, in in the actual cosmology of the kingdom. Like people remember a time when there wasn't a sea. Yes, they do. And then they remember a time when there was kind of a sea, but it sucked. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then they remember a time when we promised that the sea would be there real soon now, and then it was there real soon now times one point five. Uh, Mythcaptor says, "How many features do you estimate are still undiscovered in Dreadsylvania? Not a lot, I don't think. Um." The the uh, zombie HOA hard mode unlock, I am actually surprised at how quickly that was discovered. Oh, that was the one that you were concerned about? Well, I about. just, it, it, it's not that I was concerned about it. It wasn't like a thing that I felt like I needed to change. It was just like, ah, fuck, why didn't I see that this one is just fundamentally different than the other five and would just be way, hmm. way harder for somebody to randomly stumble on? Um, by poking around, but somebody did. Somebody, somebody had found it and had that. I think it partly. I think it got just randomly found by some clan that didn't, didn't you know, didn't post about it or say anything to anybody. And then that trophy came up in one of the clan leaderboards. And then maybe somebody contacted them and tracked down how it was done. And then it got on the wiki, which is awesome. Like, yeah, we love watching yeah, that stuff happen. Yeah. By the way. Uh, Dodgson says, is there any chance of there being another underwater breathing fairy con? The Dancing Frog, one of the better underwater familiars, is a few years old now and very expensive in the mall. If you don't want to obsolete it because fairy cons are now also content familiars, how often do you plan to make underwater breathing item in the month familiars? I'm loving the sea and sea related items of the month like this months, but there have only been a couple of underwater familiars released over the past few years. Now that the sea is finished, will we see more of them? You know, we don't, we almost never decide to do an underwater familiar it's just sometimes we do a familiar and then it ends up being something that it makes sense for it to be able to breathe underwater I mean we there was no balance to that when we did it it was just we went through and would this thing be able to breathe underwater and unless there was a really compelling reason not to 
Uh, Although I think for the Dancing Frog, we made a specific effort to make it be something that breathes yeah, underwater. I mean, we did. We, or no. So it, I think it occurred to somebody, but then we were so like, well, ago. frogs can't actually breathe underwater. But by that point, we had talked ourselves into being okay with doing a fairy con that was slightly, like it had a slightly different set of abilities than the previous ones. Because we never like, you know, and I mean, the last couple of years have demonstrated this beyond a shadow of a doubt. We certainly never made any promise that was important to us that those those uh, yearly familiars would always be identical. Right? So. Yeah. Nightvell says, what material possession of yours would you be the most sad to lose? Huh, that's a very good question. <laughs> well, I was pretty sad when I lost my bike. But no. I mean, sad to me implies a, you know, a sentimental thing. Um, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of just random objects that I have very particular sentimental attachments to. There was a, there was this little pillow that was at my grandma's house that I ended up with. There was a, um, there's a little incense burner that was grandma's that was just some, it was just some cheap, uh, racist incense burner. It's probably not racist. It was just like a little Chinese guy holding a, holding a, uh, basket, a basket watermelon. of some sort. Yeah, he's holding a watermelon. <laughs> yes. There's a little Chinese guy hold, holding the reins of an army of African slaves. Um. Uh, there's a there's a coffee cup that I like a lot. Um. You know what? In thinking about this, I know what it is. It's my wedding okay. ring. Because, because your wife is listening. I, yeah. Well, no, I thought that I had lost it a while back, and it, like I noticed I was missing it after I left a restaurant. So I thought I had left it in there, and they never found it. So for a week, I was incredibly bummed out about having lost it and actually got a kind of cheaper replacement so I would just have something on my finger but it just felt really different that it wasn't the ring that she put on my finger on our wedding day and when we found it it was just like in the couch cushions Ah. where I had been sleeping like had a nap on the couch and lost it on the couch and when we found it I was happier than I expected to be so yeah definitely the wedding <laughs> ring where you found it and it was in the couch cushions where you had left it when you were forced to sleep on the couch after your wife caught you finger banging the couch <laughs> okay sorry uh, does word realms take place in the far flung future of loathing after the planet has stopped rotating or does KOL take place in the far flung future of word realms after they restart the spin uh, both interestingly <laughs> I was hoping that stopthespin.org would be a, a site dedicated to getting meat spin off of the internet. No, or the, it's just short for stopthespindoctors.org. It's like, <laughs> they just, they're like, by the time they finished, by the time they got to that point in the URL registration form, the spin doctors were already irrelevant, so they just didn't bother finishing it. Yeah. Uh, where is Dreadsylvania located in relation to some other places in the kingdom? Or in other words, if it had to appear on the main map, where would it be? I presume it's on the edge of the woods. No, it's, I mean, it is in, it is just a map. I mean, it's, it's, it only exists in the stories of you fine folks adventuring in it. It's like Narnia, only you get there through a map. Uh, well, we're done with that thread, 
and we are uh, we are well past our uh, our quota of showtime. Yeah, I would say we have done this uh, the show justice, so we can finally have peace. Uh, I thought no, Jesus, no peace, no, no, now Jesus, now peace. Oh, that's right. Uh, now, no ticket, no shirt. All right. And no shirt, no shoes, and no service. So bring your ticket next time. Uh, for this time, I'm Mr. Skullhead, and uh, I'm leaving. I'm Jack, and I'm already gone. <laughs>